Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. share share something uh, about myself uh, gosh 15 years ago I think 15 years ago I was a youth worker at a church in another part of of Manchester and one of the things I used to get asked to do was I used to get asked to go into the local high school and take some of the year eight RS classes I think because maybe the RS teachers thought they'd get an, an easy gig by farming it out to a youth worker so I would go in and uh, basically they'd just ask me questions. The teacher would encourage you, ask, ask this guy questions. He's a Christian. Ask him questions about what Christianity is all about. And on one occasion, uh, what I did was I, I, well, I would often go in and I'd, I'd ask the kids. I was like, hey, kids, what is a Christian? And they're all very confident. And one hand would go up and they'd say, oh, it's someone who goes to church. I was like, look, anybody can walk into a church. I'll just make you a Christian. I'm like, oh, okay, fair point. So it's like, what's a Christian? And they're like, uh, someone who's baptized. I was like, that doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. What is a Christian? And, you know, they're like, they're getting more and more curious as the, as the, as the class goes on. Someone goes, someone who believes in God. I was like, well, loads of people of different religions in the world all believe in God. What makes you a Christian? And they're getting really intrigued and a bit annoyed. And more hands go up. And I just keep saying no a lot and no and no. And by the, by the, by the time we get to the end, the teacher's even intrigued. She's like, I don't even know. Um, so you're like, tell us, what is a Christian? I was like, okay, well... Let's start here, okay? Christians believe the entrance requirements for heaven, to get into heaven, is perfection. You've got to be perfect and have never done anything wrong in your entire life. And one kid kind of sheepishly puts his hand up and is like, well, like, how does anybody get in? And I was like, well, that's a good question. I'm going to explain that to you. So it comes like, okay, well, that's good. I want to know. Okay, so, well, basically... There was someone, one person, who lived in this world who was perfect. His name was, in some cases, oh, Jesus. Well done, Jesus. Now, what you do to get into heaven is you ask Jesus to do a swap. You ask him to swap his perfect life for your imperfect life. Okay, it's a good swap for you. Not such a good swap for Jesus, but he's a good guy and he likes to do this. So you ask Jesus for this swap, and Jesus, when you ask him for that, he says in the Bible, like, when you ask him that, he will say yes. So he says yes. So what happens is you give him your life full of sinful stuff and bad things, and he gives you his perfect life. So what happens is when we die and we end this life and we stand before God and God says the entrance requirements for heaven is perfection, he looks at you, and you're perfect. He says, you're perfect. Come on in. Why? Because you've done the swap, it's like, it's like the God swap, okay? And when Jesus says yes and he does the swap, what happens is he takes the punishment on the cross for every sin you have done in the past and every sin you will do in the future. And so he can stand at you and look at you when you stand there and say, you are perfect, come on in. So the, kid go, the room goes deathly silent. And one kid puts his hand up and says, so if Jesus is, has, has died for all our sins, past and future, the ones I'm still yet to do, does that mean if I become a Christian, I can just do whatever I want? 
And all the other kids are like, good question. I want to know the answer to that. And the teacher's getting a bit worried. <laughs> now, as soon as that kid asked that question, I knew that they'd got it. I knew they understood the gospel. Because until someone asks that question, they usually don't get it. They still think it's about works and doing things to try and please God, to earn favor with God. Now, obviously the answer, just to be clear, the answer is no, we don't just do whatever we want. But what, what we often do when figuring out how to live as a Christian is we swing the complete opposite direction from grace and we go back to the law. We put some rules in place to try and please God so that he likes us and we feel like we'll be in his favor if we do those things. Now, why do we do that? Why do we do those kind of things? Well, because it's safe, because it's, it's nice to put things in nice, neat boxes, you know? If I do these things, read my Bible, pray, go to church, God will like me and I'll be okay. God will be pleased with me. It's nice to put things in that little box. I'm like, tick, done, religion thing in the bag. And that is exactly what the Galatian church did 2,000 years ago. And the Apostle Paul was so angry at them for doing that, so peeved at them doing this, that he wrote an entire letter to them, which is in the Bible that we have today. It's called Galatians. Yes, it's called Galatians. Okay. And Paul is basically having a go at them for doing this, for putting rules in place to try and make them please God. Paul is proper angry them for them doing this. And in the first five chapters of Galatians, Paul is basically having a go at them because they've fallen back into thinking that they have to keep the law to make them right with God. They've got to go get circumcised, or the guys do. Anyway, they've got to observe feast days. They've got to keep this rule and that rule and this rule and that rule. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. The only thing that makes you right with God is believing in the gospel, believing in Jesus' death for your sins. Every sin you have done in the past and every sin you will do in the future. And in the passage we're going to look at today, which is or this evening, which is Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26, Paul addresses the quest, this question that the Galatians may well have been asking at this point, which is this. If we don't need to keep all these laws, like you've been telling us, Paul, and if Jesus has forgiven us for every sin past and future, can we just do whatever we want? Can we just sin and be like, meh, Jesus will forgive it. He's forgiven it. It's done. Can we just live like that? Now, Paul, in verse 13 of chapter 5 of this passage, says, nope, absolutely not. That's called living by the flesh, aka living any way we want. But instead, he says, we should live by the Spirit. That's how we're to live as Christians, not by law or flesh, but by the Spirit. Spirit. Yeah, and that's what we're going to look at this evening, what it looks like to live by the Spirit. So we're going to read uh, the passage, which is Galatians 5, verse 16 to 26. It's going to appear on the screen, or you can follow it in your Bibles. You're welcome to do that. I'm just going to read it here. It says this, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. 
They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Now, this passage is kind of like a game of two halves. The first half is all the kind of flesh stuff that's wrong. The second half is all the fruit of the Spirit, which is the good stuff. So basically, I'm just going to talk about the two halves. I'm going to talk about what it looks like to live by the flesh and what it talks like to, looks like to live by the Spirit. So firstly, what does living by the flesh look like? Now, I was trying to think of someone who embodies living by the flesh. Um, and I'll be honest, I read through the list and I thought hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. And you know, now this is, maybe this is just me and I'm just completely weird. But when I read that list, the first person popped into my head was Liam Gallagher. Okay. <laughs> All right, I've just, I've read so many stories about him fighting and being angry and like messing things up and envious of his brother and all this kind of stuff. That's the first person. Now, I don't know, maybe it's unfair on Liam Gallagher. And honestly, I, I don't think he's that into witchcraft. I have, I have never read a tabloid story saying Liam, you know, Liam Gallagher is into witchcraft. So maybe that's a bit unfair. I don't think he's here. The likelihood of him listening online is low. So I think we're safe. <laughs> But then um, I was actually, I was, I was Prime or Netflix, I can't remember which one. I was scrolling through, I think it was Prime, and I was just looking for something to watch one, one evening. And uh, I, I saw this, this TV show, Vikings. Anybody heard of the TV show Vikings? Is that Prime, Netflix? Prime. Prime, it's on Prime, okay. And I saw, I was like, wow, Vikings, it's an 18. And you ever see where it's, when you kind of hover over it, right? And no surprise, Vikings, a lot of violence. You know when you hover over it, and and you see it says 18, and then it says all the words next to 18, which basically tells you why it is an 18. And I realized all the words next to it are the stuff here. I was like, <laughs> so I was like thinking, if you want something that embodies what the acts of the, or living by the flesh looks like, Liam Gallagher maybe, but actually the TV show The Vikings is probably the best place to go. I'm not telling you to do your research by watching that TV show, but yeah, that's probably what embodies it. Most of the stuff are in the description. Now, the first thing we see here about what it means to live by the flesh is that it's contrary to the Spirit, she says in verse 17. It's the opposite way of life to the life of the Spirit. And Paul uses the word flesh here, which means sarks in the Greek, to mean the old sinful natures, like the old way of living. And in verses 19 to 20, he gives us a list of lifestyles that exemplify living by the flesh. And I've mentioned a few of them. 
But we have sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And the like means there's more. This isn't an exhaustive list. And the warning of verse 21 is very clear that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's pretty clear. Now, just to be clear, it's, it's not talking here about people who occasionally stumble in some of these areas, because let's face it, we all do occasionally stumble in some of these areas, you know, who hasn't occasionally been envious or jealous or things like that. But he's talking here about people for whom these characteristics are a way of life, a complete way of life. And Paul's saying, look, that's not us. That's not us as believers. That's not who we are anymore. So let's not go back to that stuff. Okay, so that's what living by the flesh looks like. We all in agreement, bad idea, yeah? Yeah, bad idea. I mean, preaching to converted here. I think we're all on the same page. So what's the answer then? What is the right way to live in response to the gospel? Well, it's not living by the flesh. We've seen that, right? Yes. It's not living by the law either, putting loads of rules in place. Paul says that in verse 18, and he, and he says it right through the letter of Galatians. The right way to live in response to the gospel is to live by the Spirit. Yeah. So what does living by the Spirit look like? Well, if Liam Gallagher embodies living by the flesh, who do you think, and this is not a trick question, who do you think embodies living by the Spirit? Jesus. Yes. The answer normally always is Jesus. Yeah. I don't know if you, anybody watched the TV show The Chosen? Yeah, I love The Chosen. It is so good. <laughs> TV show, basically about the life of Jesus, but it's just, just so well done, the way it builds up the characters. It really is good. And I was just struck watching The Chosen a short time ago of just how Jesus just totally personifies and embodies the characteristics we read here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. He just totally embodies it. It's such a beautiful thing to see. Really is good. But you know, Paul doesn't give us here uh, a step-by-step guide on how to live by the Spirit. I mean, it would be nice, wouldn't it? You know, like five simple steps on how to live by the Spirit. I mean, I'd buy that book. You know, like we all would. Don't we love it? Like a kind of five steps to do this or do that, you know? But he doesn't, he doesn't do that. Instead, Paul tells us about the fruit of living by the Spirit. Now, the Greek word translated as fruit refers to the natural product of a living thing. That is what fruit is. The natural product of a living thing. And the living thing here that Paul's talking about is not us, but it's the Holy Spirit. These characteristics are the natural product of the Holy Spirit living in a human being. When the Holy Spirit lives in a human being, these are like the fruits that hang off the branches. I don't know if you imagine your arms like branches, but these are the fruits that come. So if we're Christians, then the Spirit is in us, and this is the fruit we will expect to see in our lives. See, the fruit of the Spirit is not stuff to try and do primarily, but it is stuff that is produced in us by the Holy Spirit. And that difference is key. Now let's just go through the fruit of the Spirit. I'll just explain what they are briefly. First one is 
Love, yeah, love, which means to serve a person for their good and intrinsic value, not just for what the person brings you. That's love. Joy. And here it means to delight in God for sheer beauty, the sheer beauty and worth of who he is. Peace means confidence and rest in the wisdom and sovereignty of God more than your own wisdom. And that leads to peace with others. Forbearance, sometimes translated as patience, is the ability to take trouble from others or from life without blowing up or hitting back. Kindness is, well, no better way to explain it, but practical kindness with vulnerability out of a deep inner security. Goodness, which is sometimes translated as integrity, means honesty, transparency, being the same in one situation as another. Faithfulness means loyalty, courage, being committed, utterly utterly reliable and true to one's word. Gentleness, sometimes translated as humility, means here self-forgetfulness. It's not all about you. And self-control means the ability to choose the important thing over the urgent. Anyone ever been in a Bible study on the fruit of the Spirit? A few of you. A few of you may have been in one and you just can't remember. That's fine. No judgment here on that. If you've ever been in a Bible study on the fruit of the Spirit, oftentimes what happens is we get to the end. Here's a few questions that will probably be asked. Number one. Which fruit do you see growing in your life? You know, oh, that fruit and not that fruit. Number two, which fruit do you need some growth in? Do you need to work on? Do you need to pray to God and say, yeah, I need help with that one. I'm good on this one, but not that one. And thirdly, what are some things you can do this week to help you grow in love or in joy or in peace? Okay, I guarantee, if you've done a Bible study, I guarantee, if it's one of those printed ones in a book, it'll have those questions in it. Now, the problem with these questions is, kind of misses the point. Because the fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Spirit, not the Christian. Okay? You know, it's not something we grit our teeth and try to work harder at. It's like, ah, oh, I'm going to produce some fruit today. No, it's already there. It's already growing in the life of a believer. So it's not so much try harder to do these things, but more look out for them, you know? Look out for these fruits, you know? I was in this situation and I didn't get angry. And you know what? I used to get angry when these situations came. You're looking out for it. Wow, that's the fruit growing there. Now, for me growing up, whenever I heard about the fruit of the Spirit, I used to always, I don't know if this is you, but I used to just imagine like a fruit bowl, you know, with like apple and orange and banana and pear. And I just kind of imagined that the metaphor was kind of like this fruit bowl and there's all these different kinds of fruits in it. And that's kind of what Paul's referring to, like the fruit, the spirits, fruit bowl. You know, there's a nice little image and stuff. Have we got the image there? No? Is it coming up? Um, I think there's a fruit bowl supposed to come up. Um, but basically, the thing is, what it talks about here in the passage, it doesn't talk about fruits. It talks about fruit singular. We've got a bowl. Yes, we've got a fruit bowl. Thank you. Yes, a few people pointed. The fruit bowl's there, Andy. Okay. The thing is, it doesn't talk about fruits plural. It talks about fruits singular. These, basically you think, okay, what's the difference? Why does that make a difference? Well, these are different parts of one fruit. Okay, they're not different fruits. They're different parts of one fruit. So actually a better image when it comes to talking about the fruit of the Spirit is 
Boom. That's a better image. An orange, which has different segments. They're different parts, but part of the same fruit, which means they all grow together. You ever seen an orange with one segment, which is massive, and another one that's small? No, they're, they're all the same. They grow together. Now, why does this matter? Well, I'm sure that you know some people in your life who, just because of their personality and their temperament, are pretty kind and generally fairly self-controlled, okay? Now, would anyone know some people like that? They may not be Christians. Now, is that the fruit of the Spirit? No, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you, because of your temperament, because of your personality, you may be quite gentle naturally and quite peaceful, just naturally, just, just your temperament, your mom, your mom and dad are quite like that, you're like that. Now, is that the fruit of the Spirit? No, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. So how do we know it's the fruit of the Spirit and not just your personality? Well, we can tell it's the fruit of the Spirit when all these characteristics are present in our lives, not just one or two of them. Timothy Keller says this, the real fruit of the Spirit always grow together. They are one. Timothy Keller, the pastor from New York, Christian writer. Now that all said, Paul is talking about a fruit in the passage, and fruit doesn't appear immediately. Fruit must grow, it must mature. My dad's an apple farmer. I I know this. I've grown up with these principles. And sometimes the the growing season for the fruit is pretty long. But the thing about fruit is if it's growing, you see it. You know it's there. I've got an apple tree in my garden. A number of months ago, um, tiny little green apples started to appear on the tree. And throughout the growing season over the summer, they've been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they've kind of eventually turned from green to red. Now, it doesn't matter at what time during the growing season I I look at the tree in my garden. I have no doubt as to what kind of tree it is because I can see the fruit. It might be small, but I can see the fruit. And that's what it's like for all those who have the Holy Spirit in them. We're in the midst of our growing season. Now, none of us perfectly display love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But if the Spirit is really in us, then they are seen at some level. We are recognizable at some level by our fruit. Are we all okay? Good. Still, still with me? We're going to go a little deeper. You ready to go a little deeper? Some of you thinking, we've already been deep enough, okay? I need some air. I need a fun, frothy illustration right now. Sorry, I don't have one. Right. Now, as I said, Paul doesn't give us a step-by-step guide on how to live by the Spirit because living by the Spirit is a relationship. You know, we, we don't have a template. We just have the fruit to tell us we are living by the Spirit. And I think the reason why there isn't a five things to do kind of list of how to live by the Spirit is because if there was, then it would just be like going back to the law, wouldn't it? You know? Like the law was, here's 600 things you need to do. Then you'll know you're living the right life. That's the Old Testament law. 
And Paul doesn't give us that because living by the Spirit isn't law. It is a relationship, a relationship with God. Now think about it. A relationship grows over time. You get to know each other more and more over time. You become more and more like each other over time. You, become, you come to like the things that the person you're with likes. You develop an interest in the things that maybe didn't interest you before because you're with the person you're in a relationship. Like my wife is German. Whenever the World Cup comes around, I support Germany now, you know? It's easy because I'm from Northern Ireland. They never get to the World Cup anyway. I've got to support someone. So, you know, Germany or England, eh, doesn't really matter. I support Germany. But, you know, you spend time with someone, their interests can often become your interests. And it's the same with God. The more we invest in our relationship with God, the more we come to think the way he does, the more we come to act the way he does, the more this fruit grows in our lives. But sometimes what we can tend to do is make our relationship with God quite individualistic. You know, it's just me and God. You know, me and God doing our thing. I've lost kind of the times. Oftentimes, I'll ask people. I like to ask people, how are you doing spiritually? And like 90% of the time, people will respond by telling me how their quiet time is going. It's like your go-to kind of thing. How are you doing spiritually? So they tell me about the time where it's just them and God. It's, you know, we can so easily make our relationship with God very individualistic. And we can also make our relationship with the Holy Spirit quite individualistic too, can't we? You know, we often pray, Lord, would you fill me with more of your Holy Spirit? Not us, me. I don't, I don't care what happens to everybody else. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you guide me more by your Holy Spirit? You know, and I'm not having a go at that. That's, that's fine. But so often we can think very individualistic terms about our relationship with God. But we've got to remember the Holy Spirit has been given to the church, not just us, to the people of God. Living by the Spirit can only take place in community. Community is vital. I mean, think about it. How will you know that you're living by the Spirit? How do, you, how do you find out if I'm living by the Spirit? How will you find out that the fruit of the Spirit is growing in you? Well, you'll find out by being around people who challenge your kindness. You know, you hold the door open for someone at church and they don't say thank you, you know? And you could go to your mates and say, here, I'm on down, held the door and didn't say thank you. What an idiot that guy is. Guy needs to learn some manners, you know? And you talk to all your friends and you go, oh, da, da, da. You know, you could do that. Or, or you could just let it slide. Or even better, you could go and talk to him and say, hey, I did this, did it, and just talk it through. And we learn to do those things when we become more secure in ourselves. We, we don't need to be putting people down. How will you know whether you're growing in gentleness well, you'll know by being in situations where the natural response would be to be harsh or critical. You know, you're on three serving road as a church and you notice there's someone else. I see him over there. He's not on anything. He's not on any road. He's at all. Does nothing in this church. You know, but rather than get angry, rather than get like, ah, you just keep joyfully serving, knowing that you are serving the body of Christ. How will you know that you're growing in patience? Well, if you had kids work <laughs> here and you were on kids work and imagine the person you're on with shows up late, doesn't say sorry, 
and isn't prepared at all, and you're like, all right, I've got to do everything myself here. Now, rather than being harsh with him, you absorb the frustration without blowing up or hitting back, okay? Maybe a few years ago, you wouldn't have done that. How will you know that you're growing in peace with others? By being in situations where the natural response would be to exclude or condemn someone. There was a, a lady at one of our other sites. She's a, a new believer, only maybe, only maybe a year or so old. Um, she's become a believer about a year or so ago. And um, she had a bit of a disagreement with someone else in the church. And the pastor of the church sat them down, talked them through it, and said, look, you know, it was all, it was all kind of sorted out in the end. And then the pastor sat to, sat to this lady who's a new believer and said, you know, well done. She says, why? She says, because I know, I know a year ago you'd have just punched him. <laughs> you'd have just punched that other guy. But well done for actually sitting down and talking about it. You've really grown in your faith, you know, okay? So that's how we know when we're growing, when we're in with other people. We learn to grow and see these these characteristics grow. So to live a life by the Spirit is not a personal, private matter. To be living in a community, in a church community, is vital, and it's the best place to be growing in a life that is led less and less by the flesh and more and more by the Spirit. You know, those kids in that classroom that I talked about at the start, they got it, didn't they? They got what the gospel was. They understood it. And even the RS teacher was like, yeah, wow, gospel is amazing. This is so cool. I'm going to teach this to every class now. He's like, yeah, you do that. That's good. And actually, one kid even put their hand up at the end in front of all their classmates and said, look, hey, can I do the God swap now? A few other kids are like, yeah, I want to do it too. It's brilliant. You know, our natural tendency is to fight the flesh with the law, with rules. And Paul is saying here, that's not the way to live. The way to live is by the Spirit. You know, four years ago, I went to Uganda um, to do some, some teaching out there. And um, I was chatting to the pastor and, uh, and he was just telling me about actually, you know, in, in, our area, in our area, there's just, we have a lot of people come to church. A lot of people say they believe in Jesus but then the rest of their lives, they just do whatever they want. You know, they don't live it. They come to church on a Sunday. They're like Sunday Christians. And uh, a few days later, I was down to preach at one of his, his churches in Kampala in the capital city of Uganda. And I was thinking, okay, what should I preach on? And I thought, well, I've just heard from this pastor. You know, people just, you know, say they're Christians and do whatever they want. So people need some rules. You know, I've got, I've got a good sermon that's pretty hard-hitting, pretty like, you know, here's how to live as a Christian. Here's what you need to do. You know, pull your, you know, bootstraps or whatever it is. Anyway, that was, it was that kind of sermon. I've preached it before. I think it went down well, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that one. So I was like, right, it's good. It's got some good illustrations and it's fun, but it's a proper kind of, yes, live it. No cheap grace here. So I was like, right, so I'm going to do it. And then I, I got up, had a shower, and I just had this sense. I was getting ready for breakfast, getting ready to go to church. I had this sense. I've just, ah, I this sense. Now, don't preach that one. Preach about grace. And, uh, I was like, Lord, if that's you, I, I, yeah, I don't know. And I just kept stronger sense. Don't preach that sermon. Preach about grace. And I was like, Lord, I can't preach about grace here. They don't need more grace. They don't need someone to tell them, Jesus, you know, no, they need someone to give them some rules here, you know? Like this, I'm, you know, I'm having this conversation with God. No, 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 God, they don't need more grace here, you know? And I'm, and I'm dialoguing while I'm having breakfast. I'm going to shout around. I'm, I'm almost talking. I was like, God, I can't. So I got to the stage, finished my breakfast, and I'm like, Lord, I'm going to preach the sermon I was going to preach on. If you want me to preach on grace, you're going to have to give me a sign. 
And at that exact moment, standing in my bedroom, the window was slightly ajar, this woman in the distance began to sing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And I just said, oh, gosh, okay, I hear you. And I preached on grace. And that taught me a valuable lesson that morning. Firstly, listen to God. (laughs) But secondly, the way we help people resist the flesh and live by the Spirit is not by preaching law, but by preaching grace even more. By placing the gospel in front of people even more and even more. And that is exactly what Paul does in the book of Galatians. You know, we're in a, a spiritual battle. And fighting a spiritual battle with fleshly power is pointless. If we fight with rules and willpower, we're just going to lose. Absolutely. We can only fight this battle by living by the Spirit, in relationship with God and in community with our brothers and sisters in Christ.